Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. But the modeling of relationships that you see when you're younger, you know, it teaches you how to treat other people, what respect is, what intimacy is, and also just how to treat someone with kindness in that intimate setting, I think. You know, Mm -hmm. our parents are are really only model for intimate relationships until we do start to grow older and see other relationships around us. So hi guys, welcome back. Today we are at episode number 36 and I'm so excited today to bring to you the lovely Aliyah Hashem. So she's a sexologist and a fertility counsellor and has just a wealth of knowledge and experience in this area and um, works in, is based out of Melbourne um, and works with Melbourne IVF as well as um, Chantelle Otten's um, sexology group. So um, we have been so lucky to stumble across her today uh, based on um, just some feedback that we had on our other episode that we ran around sex after babies and a lot of our community um, you know, were, were so beautiful and came forward and shared their own stories and, and some of what came up from that was that following on from birth trauma or just following on from having a baby, things are really, really different and a couple of women had really great experiences working with a sexologist to help them get through that barrier and so, yeah, I I really wanted to bring Aaliyah on today just to sort of enlighten what a sexologist does and how they can really help, especially in that pregnancy and postpartum space. And so you're welcome, Aaliyah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Such a pleasure. So I'd love it if you can just sort of roll off the bat. What does a sexologist do and particularly what are your interests around sort of pregnancy, fertility and postpartum? A sexologist um, is someone who studies the science of human sexuality. So um, there's two components of that. There's a physiological or the biological side, as well as the psychological side, so how the mind works in relation to human sexuality. And in that, it's also the way that our biological, psychological and sociocultural aspects impact on our human sexuality as well. Mm. And, and in the way that that informs our um, values and beliefs around sex too. So my area of interest, like you said, is fertility and pregnancy, and particularly couples going through assisted reproductive treatment, but also um, women who have just given birth as well and that postpartum period, like you mentioned. Mm, awesome. So can you tell us what is your experience and what are women coming to see you for in relation to like sexuality throughout the pregnancy journey? Do you see this uh, a lot and what are the sort of common fears and beliefs and things that you're working with throughout the pregnancy period? I think one of the most common things that women come to a sexologist for during that pregnancy period is the changes in libido mm. um, and with that comes the physical changes to the body as well. I mean, you know, three trimesters of pregnancy and they're all so different. So the first mm-hmm. trimester, you know, you could have really bad morning sickness and, and your hormones are adjusting to that pregnancy state. So extreme tiredness, 
which could also correlate with a loss of libido. And then, you know, as you move into the second trimester, you could have a surge in, and increase in libido, and then it can sort of drop off towards the end. But then in saying that, there is so much variability mm. in the way that women are connected to sex in that period. So not only is it, you know, the way that the hormones affect libido, but it's also the way that we perceive ourselves. So growing a belly and the way that our body changes and, and not looking like it used to can also mm-hmm. impact on sexual self-esteem, but also the worry in the way that our partner views us as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely yeah. identify with that, <laughs> being a fourth time around pregnant person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's also, you know, will I hurt the baby if I'm in a particular position or is it safe to do X, Y, Z? So, it, you know, it's coming for that knowledge, but also, you know, ways to to work around those barriers that you may have. So, you know, if penetrative sex is something that is just not right for you in that moment, don't do it explore other things outside of that penetrative sex is one aspect of human sexuality so you know it's about educating and sort of exploring ways to make the most out of your pregnancy and to connect with your partner during that time Mm, and, and, you know, I guess even if penetrative sex isn't something that is is feeling right for you, I, there's so many other ways that you can, you know, maintain intimacy and connect with each other. And so what sort of things are you suggesting to couples if that's the case? It could be uh, giving each other a massage. It could be, um, you know, oral sex. It could be mutual masturbation. It could be taking sex outside of the bedroom. It could be just different ways of sort of exploring, you know, what, had previously made you feel connected but then in this new context of pregnancy Mm. and making it work for you in that time as well because if you don't have the libido or the desire for sex as well you don't want to force that Mm. yeah I mean I also think about intimacy um sometimes this is having really deep conversations or like looking each other in the eye and actually taking time to put everything else aside to maybe just hold hands like you know it sounds pretty maybe pretty silly and pretty basic but I think sometimes that you can have such a great connection and sort of I guess an intimate connection by doing things like that aside from sexual intimacy well exactly I mean especially during that period it's just you two for you know the next nine months and then along comes a little baby so it's really important that you maintain that connection and that intimacy you know even removing sex and just focusing on you know emotional connection in that time I think is really important Mm. and I know something that I was quite concerned about you know it probably pops up each pregnancy actually is like how is having another human coming into our life going Mm. to then make things more tricky in terms of an intimate connection and even if that is just quality time together plus or minus Mm. having time to you know um, get down and dirty between the sheets (laughs) it's a challenge that's for sure yeah (laughs) but it's, it's such a it's a thing that you know I think a lot of women don't think about well, firstly, there's the time aspect of like actually finding time. But when you become <laughs> parents, waking up and finding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but even the way that one thing that I like to speak about is the way that roles change when you know you do become parents. You know, before it was just you two, and and you know you had this relationship, and it was probably you know a lot more intimate than you know becoming parents. But you, you become mum and dad. And when you start calling each other mum and dad as well, that also impacts on how sexy you feel and 
the sexual dynamic in the relationship too, I think, you know, along with that, women who are breastfeeding and lactating, you know, they're going through those hormonal hormonal changes that can impact on ankle sex and also being too touched out by your baby as well and just not wanting another pair of hands on you at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, I mean, hormonally from breastfeeding and you know, carrying a child around all day, you have so much oxytocin. Mm. It probably almost like, I don't need any more. <laughs> yeah, so much oxytocin, but then prolactin as well, which also inhibits libido. Yes, yeah, it's a huge. Yeah, and inhibits um, vaginal lubrication as well, which can lead to painful sex. Mm. So we're sort of segwaying just naturally into the postpartum period, which is really, really great. So, you know, I guess this is something, you know, is it something that you're um, meeting with women about with greater regularity than the pregnancy period? Is postpartum something that's a bit more of a sort of issue period, do you find? Or Postpartum, I think it's um, it comes with that role change and the expectation and, you know, the experiences of birth and becoming a mother and how does that impact on my identity as well? You know, it, it's so convoluted and, and it can bring up so much for so many different people. And so, again, it's about that exploration and it's about that education around, you know, sex might look a little bit different now. What does that look like for you as a couple? And what does that look like for you in yourself? And how do you perceive yourself as sexual now that you've got this new role as a mother? Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really, I hadn't sort of given too much thought to that, but I feel like, you know, that's made a light bulb go on in my head for sure. Like you, you do change yeah. the way that you perceive yourself. And I think, again, like you mentioned before, you think about how that then impacts the way that your partner views you. Yeah. But, you know, a mum and you know, breasts in particular, uh, you know, during the postpartum period, they're, they're less of a sexual object and, you know, that their yeah. prime purpose <laughs> in life is to provide nourishment. Mm-hmm. But I think then, you know, when you are breastfeeding, they they very much feel like that's just what they're for. <laughs> like, yeah, like milk factory yeah. type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then your partner is sort of like, well, I don't understand because they were once a sexual object. How come that's been taken away from me? And so it's it's the readjustment in the sense of self and you know what what is sexual about me now that one aspect has been taken away from me. You know, my body is no longer my no, my own. It, it you know feeding my baby but then how do I maintain that intimate connection with my partner and how do I still see myself as sexy Mm, yeah definitely lots of questions (laughs) and hopefully some answers by coming to see someone like you I'm sure it would be helpful yeah it's about exploring that and sort of unpacking it for that individual because it looks so different for everyone and everyone's experiences of labor and motherhood are so different. You know, perinatal depression and anxiety is also a huge impact on, you know, the way women perceive themselves and, and their desire for sex as well mm-hmm. and their partner too. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, along with that, you know, women, the I guess the stats around women having perceived to have had a traumatic birth is really, really high mm-hmm. as well. So that's up to one in five, again, according to Panda in Australia. And that might be through physical trauma of birth, but it also might be trauma of not feeling respected or not 
you know, feeling like you're able to carry out your wishes throughout birth, which sometimes isn't the case, especially when things come into more of that emergency data situation. So, yeah, what are the things that you sort of working with women around sort of trauma after having a baby and, and sort of reconnecting to that sexual part of themselves? Yeah, I think, like you said, there's that physical trauma and then there's that psychological or perceived trauma as well. And it looks so different for so many different people. I think, you know, studies have shown that women who have perceived physical and psychological trauma following birth are less likely to engage in sex for up to six months following the birth of their baby. And so it's about working through perhaps the fears that are associated with the the trauma and then re-engaging in penetrative sex. So something that I would say is, you know, don't have sex. If it's going to cause you distress, just take it off the table. And that being penetrative sex. But like I said, it's working through those fears associated with that and unpacking that for each woman or each couple. It's about reconnecting to the body and sort of uh, moving through the trauma, you know, whether that be with the help of a physio as well, because I think their role is so important following birth and that postpartum period to ensure that you know they don't have um just perennial or, or painful sex and then yeah working through that trauma to sort of get your identity back yeah and it's, i think it's important to note that you know i think painful sex after having a baby is really common but it's not necessarily mm. normal and, and like you said you know you can really work through that by going to see a woman's health physiotherapist who can can get to the bottom of it there's lots of different reasons why that might be happening yeah yeah, and then so I guess on the emotional side, it is, you know, if you are able to have that conversation around stepping back and taking it off the table so that the stress is gone, it, it might sort of, mm-hmm. you know, be quite helpful to, you know, a lot of, I think, fear and, and stress really mm-hmm. kills your libido as well anyway, yeah. doesn't it? So. But also the expectation, you know, you're like, oh, you, you get the all clear from your doctor six weeks after birth, but, you know, you may not necessarily feel ready. and is it the expectation that my partner, you know, thinks, well, at six weeks is up, it's time for sex because that's going to put more pressure on you and kill your libido. And also taking the penetrative sex off the table can actually increase your desire for sex funnily enough. Because you're Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, I feel like there's yeah. a, a <laughs> psychology around that as well. Yeah. yeah. Because you're completely removing the pressure and you're communicating with your partner that, you know, well, my sexologist says that I'm not allowed to have penetrative sex. And then it's, you know, well, I don't feel like the need that I have to do it now. Mm. Let's explore other things on the sexual menu. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Or like you said before, find other ways to be intimate, mm. holding hands and just spending time together, having a date night, things like that. Yeah, yeah. and you, you do gain a whole new appreciation for that, I think, once becoming a parent as well, because mm. what was once freely available in terms of just that quality time <laughs> definitely is is impacted and it's okay it's just different but I think it also really highlights that you do need to work on those things and if you you want to sort of have a long and sort of happy relationship then it's got to be there's got to be like a desire to to want to keep those things going so yeah 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 definitely it's something that takes work it it doesn't just come easy particularly after you you do have children you really do have to put in the work and the effort to sustain that long term because eventually when the kids leave the nest, just you two again. You want to make sure that you do have that um, that intimacy and that connection with your partner that's going to carry you long term. 
Mm, and I think a lot of women can feel like they have to put the baby as number one, like 24-7. And, you know, I feel like that can get in the way of sort of sexuality as well in the postpartum period. Like not being able to put it as like a, a priority, I guess, because something else is in front of that. And that's normal to a certain extent. But then, um, mm. you know, if, if I always think of it like for the benefit of our children, like we need to maintain our connection and intimacy so that we do have a and loving relationship for our sake and for theirs you know so it can feel like you can have that mum guilt I think for taking time out for yourselves or whatever but in the long run it's benefiting you know everybody's relationship including the whole family yeah definitely I think you know your partner should always come first and children should come second as you know brash as that does sound I think it's really important that you preserve that relationship because it's also going to form a model for children for your children and and what a healthy relationship looks like as well Mm -hmm. and the respect that you have for each other in that period too Mm. And again, I'm just speaking completely off script here as well. So how much do you think your own view of sexuality and that sense of the, the self as a sexual being is affected by, you know, what was modelled by your parents and their sort of relationship mm-hmm. and, and how they speak about how, or spoke about sexuality? I think it's very important, particularly, you know, young children the way that they see their parents interact with each other teaches them how to interact in their future relationships. You know, there's attachment theory that shows so much research in the way that our relationship with our parents can inform our um, future relationships. But the modeling of relationships that you see when you're younger, you know, it teaches you how to treat other people, what respect is, what intimacy is, and also just how to treat someone with kindness in that intimate setting, I think. You know, our parents are are really only model for intimate relationships until we do start to grow older and see other relationships around us. And so I think it's very important to sort of be mindful of that. And I mean, that extends to when children grow up and you start talking to them about sex and, you know, what sex is in the context of a relationship and, and the respect and the consent around that. So it kind of just extends right through in childhood. Mm, yeah, so it's so important. <laughs> and just, Very important. Yeah, just lastly, we sort of skipped over just the sort of fertility side of things. So a big part of the work that you do is obviously in fertility counselling and in couples, both heterosexual and individuals from the LGTBQIA plus area in sort of fertility-related sexuality. So can you, yeah, speak to us a little bit about the common sort of fears and sort of things that you're you're seeing in that space in the fertility? Yeah, so a lot of the work that I do as a fertility counsellor is around helping women and their partners and, you know, the trans population around making decisions about their fertility, whether it be, you know, do I go through a donor? Do I do surrogacy? You know, women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss, taking them through that too. You know, talking to them about the realities of fertility treatment as well, because that is a whole other topic in terms of fertility treatment. There is nothing you can control and everything is out of control. And then the minute you start taking hormones, you feel out of control in your body. And so it's about, you know, talking about the expectations, ways of managing that, focusing on the things that you can control as well, and also how to preserve your relationship throughout fertility treatment, because it could be emotionally and physically taxing. And the last thing you're going to want to do is have sex with your partner, (laughs) to be honest. And so it's how can you preserve that intimacy without that, you know, need and expectation for sex throughout Mm -hmm. that period? 
especially when it becomes has it almost becomes so regulated and you know I mean depending on sort of what what's going on from a fertility perspective but it can mm. um, become you know so incredibly regulated and then it takes out some of the spontaneity and the desire and all that sort of stuff when it's for a different purpose I mean yeah Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's um everything is routine, everything is planned down to the day based on your blood test and scan. And so it, it takes the romance out of conception, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just lastly, can you perhaps give us your top tip for uh you know women and, and couples going through all of these stages? So maybe a tip for pregnancy, a tip for postpartum, and a tip for fertility around, you know, if you're having <laughs> <laughs> if you're having, um, I guess, you know, the feeling like intimacy and, and sexuality is something that you're needing some guidance around or having some issues with, that's mm. um, not normal for your, you know. Every- I think a tip that would probably cover all three is communication with your partner. And it's something that is so important. And often the person that we have sex with is the most difficult to communicate about sex with. <laughs> and I think it's about communicating where you're at, communicating your feelings around sex, but doing it in a way that, you know, you know, I statements and feeling really comfortable to verbalize, this is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? How can we make it better? And if it becomes too difficult to do by yourself, come see a sexologist, come see a counselor so that we can take you through that together. I think, you know, in couple sessions, we sort of act like the mediator, but also help facilitate that conversation around sex and, and you know what does it look like now and and how can we make it better for you? Yeah, that's great. And I feel like yeah, regardless, that's probably going to be the number one most important thing, isn't it? So. It's the number one thing, and I think if you can get that right, it it opens the dialogue and it also enhances connection. You know, you're being vulnerable in that period where you're talking about sex and you're talking about how you may be feeling, which, as we know from Brene Brown, increases vulnerability and connection. Absolutely. Good old Brene Brown. Got a lover. <laughs> um, the best. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for your time. Sunday morning, sun is shining and um, <laughs> busy. So I really appreciate your time. And I'll make sure that our listeners can reach out to you, copying your details in the show notes, if that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. I feel like we're just over a can of worms here and I, I might be harassing you to chat further on some different topics. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, i have had me back anytime. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. You just have such a warm and friendly nature. I just feel like booking yeah. in for like a chat anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I love. And I love that. Um, I love chatting. I love emails. I love, I always love talking about it and it can make your life better than, you know, I'm doing my job. I have the best job in the world. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Yeah. It's really, you know, it speaks volumes just the how, the, the way you talk about things. Yeah. You're obviously such a shining light in this area. So thanks so much, Aaliyah. <laughs> thank you, Rosie. Bye. Well, that would have to have been one of my favorite episodes to record yet. Aaliyah is just so calm and makes you feel so at ease, even talking about the not so comfortable stuff. So I hope that you found that really useful and got a few little takeaways to bring into your own relationship or your own intimacy and connection with yourself and your partner. So you can reach out to her on Instagram at great.sexpectations and I'll pop her email for 
more appointments in the show notes. Uh, they're doing a lot of their consults or everything still via telehealth at the moment, which means she's accessible from anywhere that you are, which is just so great. And we have, I feel like we've opened a can of worms and there'll be a number of episodes coming up chatting about sort of different things that came up along that uh, interview journey. So as always, if you're loving what you're listening to, please give us a shout out by screenshotting the episode that you're listening to and tagging us on our parent account at Lenny Rose Active. See you guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian owned, three times mum and physiotherapist designed Lux Active and Technical Wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.